Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Uh, good evening, Fred. Well, we've made it to the weekend and lots of news to talk about. Uh, first of all, Lexus put out a statement, a press release, saying that they've moved one step closer, they say, to a world without crashes. And it goes into some of the safety technology that they're actually making standards. So this is, from what I read in, in your comments here in the in the latest newsletter, kind of a good news, maybe news kind of thing. Uh, yes, I think it's certainly good news that uh, they're making it standard equipment uh, starting in uh, all U.S. Lexus vehicles starting uh, in the 2020 model year, which must mean that uh, uh, that's what they're getting prepared to sell or will soon appear uh, in the showrooms. Uh, and, and this is their Lexus uh, Safety System Plus and I, I think that's very nice. Um, and they then list the, the kinds of systems they're putting in there, uh, which, uh, which is uh, one, uh, an automated emergency braking system. Uh, but, um, you know, as we've been discussing here, is it a good one? Um, it's nice that it has pedestrian detection and so on, but uh, does it have uh, stationary object detections on it? Um, we've seen uh, crashes by uh, Teslas, for example, into parked uh, fire trucks, and uh, I, we've assigned the, the, the blame to that, to those things, is, is the automated emergency braking system. Um, they work uh, very well with um, with objects that are moving uh, in the lane ahead in front of you, but don't seem to work uh, very well with objects that are stationary. And uh, and they um, they don't indicate the, that this system does work well with stationary objects. And and uh, to me, I I don't think that's good enough. Uh, they, they, the industry uh, has to get their automated emergency braking systems to do uh, two things that they don't do. One is, is, is to detect objects that are stationary in the lane ahead that you cannot pass under. Uh, you can't assume uh, that you can pass under stationary objects ahead even though they are usually bridge abutments uh, that you can pr uh, pass under or uh, overhead signs or uh, tree canopies. Um, uh, and, but uh, it has to be able to discern that, in fact, there is enough clearance for you to pass under those things and, and do it well. And this is uh, really important uh, with respect to uh, intelligent cruise control, and uh, which is one of the systems that they uh, they will make available as standard equipment. Uh, but again, that emerge uh, that intelligent cruise control uh, has to operate such that if if uh, you have it set, let's say at seventy miles an hour, but you're following a, a a car that's only going fifty, and then all of a sudden that car uh, switches to the right lane and and is no longer in front of you, um, then of course uh, the intelligent cruise control system will have you accelerate it back up to seventy miles an hour. 
However, uh, it may be that the reason the vehicle in front of you moved over to the right lane was because it saw a stationary object ahead like a parked fire truck in the lane ahead and decided to yield and go to the right lane. But if all of a sudden uh, the automated emergency or the intelligent cruise control system um, disregards uh, stationary objects that appear in the lane ahead, then guess what? Uh, you're all of a sudden not going to hit that thing at at uh, 50 miles an hour. You're in fact going to accelerate up to 70 if you get that high before you hit it. And and that just shouldn't be the way these things operate. And unfortunately, uh, too many of these systems operate that way. Now, I'm not suggesting necessarily that that's the way the Lexus system operates. Not enough information is provided, but it certainly uh, hints uh, that, uh, that this might be the case. And then back with respect to the automated emergency braking system, you know, uh, why why does the system wait so long uh, to uh, apply the brakes? Um, it knows that the, these these emergency situations don't appear uh, instantaneously. Um, one is uh, time uh, plays a role here. One evolves from a situation in which there is no emergency into a situation in which there is an emergency. And these systems are on all the time. And it, it knows that this transition is taking place. So once you start uh, getting yourself into trouble in terms of a situation with respect to a collision ahead, uh, why does it just warn you? Uh, why doesn't it start to apply the brakes and, and begin to slow you down so you don't even uh, uh, reach this emergency situation in which, my goodness, and, and in some sense, all heck breaks loose and, and the seatbelts get tightened and windows close and, and the brakes are applied uh, at maximum brake, you know, and, and you still hit it. Um, prepare the vehicle and start slowing down earlier. And in fact, uh, basically use, um, use the same sort of logic you use if, if you're in the, uh, in the intelligent cruise control following a vehicle ahead of you. As it begins to slow down, your vehicle begins to slow down. Those systems seem to work very well in those situations. Why not apply that to this uh, this uh, situation with respect to uh, a vehicle being a ahead of you and, and then all of a sudden uh, starting to decelerate, but you didn't have your intelligent cruise control system on, start applying the brakes. Uh, don't wait for the automated emergency braking system. Um, you should have stayed out of that situation. So it'd be nice if those systems um, uh, would operate that way. And that's why um, it's nice that they're doing it, but it's not good enough. Uh, keep working, Lexus. Hopefully in 2021, uh, you'll have a better system to put out there. And even more, hopefully, you're going to be like Tesla. You'll be able to over-the-air update um, these systems that you put out in 2020 with better software, better logic, um, uh, a, uh, provide a better service uh, to the uh, folks who have bought your vehicles in 2020. Yeah, and they're calling it brake assist. I guess we don't have all the information that uh, that you'd like to have about how this is all going to work. 
but it seems to me, and we've talked about this before, Alan, that uh, with some of these automatic emergency braking systems that uh, work under some circumstances, it creates a lot of owner and driver confusion and the need for training people that when it's going to work, what it's going to do for you, what it can't do for you. And it can make, I guess, some situations more dangerous. Well, I, I don't know necessarily it can make it more dangerous. They just should work better. They should help us better. It, it shouldn't be afraid to maybe add two or three seconds onto my travel time just because it started slowing me down so that I wouldn't uh, enter this this no man's land of now emergency braking, you know, um, uh, treat me, uh, treat me a little bit better. Uh, don't assume that I'm a jerk and I want to go run up to the uh, to the back of some car and tailgate them. Uh, and 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 um, and uh, I think uh, keep me safer. Well, my my uh, remarks about uh, possibly making things more dangerous were uh, that perhaps. Drivers might be relying on these to stop them when they're not going to be able to 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 stop a vehicle. Uh, um, if people I, are relying on it more than they should, is what I meant. Yeah, it may be. Uh, look, uh, uh, th- that's a possibility. But I think we all know that when we're in these vehicles, driving these vehicles, we're basically taking our lives into our own hands. And, and that these are these are these vehicles can cause us harm. So uh, yes, we misbehave uh, not because we're we think that the system might be able to take care of us and we're going to live closer to the edge, uh, but but for other reasons that maybe we just lose it. These systems should be bailing us out in case we lose it. They should be keeping us. Uh, from doing these things. And I've even written, although it hazard to say, that these systems shouldn't even allow us to commit suicide by car. But we won't go there. Next up, Waymo in the headlines once again. This time, you've got a lot of questions. Uh, They've announced uh, an alliance with Renault and Nissan in uh, France and Japan, uh, for self-driving, and uh, you've got some real questions here about what's going on with Waymo. Uh, yes, uh, this is uh, this is a very very significant announcement, and I guess I'm really depressed because um, it indicates to me that maybe Waymo has decided to, to, to uh, throw in the towel with respect to driverless. Uh, these uh, announcement is uh, an alliance with respect to self-driving, and I don't know what definition of self-driving they're using, whether they're using mine or their own, uh, but it seems as if, um, you know, they've, uh, um, they've, uh, they, they're beginning to abandon uh, their, uh, their, total focus on achieving uh, driverless mobility and mobility as a service. Well, the, the uh, story that, that I'm reading does say that, that they will explore driverless mobility services for passengers and deliveries in France and Japan. Um, 
so it seems to be saying some of that but yeah i read it too but i guess uh i guess that's just uh that's just um you're not buying it (laughs) i'm not buying it Uh, look look um i don't think that the that for waymo the best place to demonstrate driverless uh, mobility as a service is any place but good old us of a where they've been doing it and my problem with this is that they've they're spending as some people suggest something like a billion a year trying to do this and um, and the, the problem is is they got close with in in Chandler. Uh, there was the Uber Helene uh, Elaine Herzberger crash, which basically threw cold water on it. Uh, they haven't done anything um, really in terms of advancing that whole um, uh, aspect, which is. Uh, you know, uh, the mobility as a service is what Adam Jonas, you know, was was suggesting, and that it's a ten trillion dollar a year business worldwide. And it seemed to be that um, that they were committed, uh, and certainly with respect to Ermson when he was there, they were committed uh, to uh, that um, that uh, technology um, service concept. And the problem is, over the last uh, six months or more, it doesn't seem as if it's moved. And uh, and um, uh, what they've done is they've developed an enormous amount of technology. And that technology, if you put it into an existing vehicle, would probably deliver uh, the best performing self-driving uh, um, system um on the market uh it's it's probably better than tesla's which is um you know i hazard to say is the best one that's on on the market today and um and they have an opportunity to then um uh with this uh, with this uh, arrangement to um, basically start a revenue flow into waymo uh, to sell the technology to be put into vehicles that are uh, to achieve self-driving. Um, my definition of self-driving means that uh, uh, there's a human on board all the time to make sure that the system, in case it needs help, uh, has human help available. It is not driverless. It can't do mobility as a service. It, it can't perform that. Uh, but it can deliver the, the self-driving piece, so therefore they can achieve revenue on that, uh, probably be world-leading in doing that, uh, and, uh, and in a sense uh, uh, may start um, uh, delivering some return on the total investment that they made and do it in the short term and therefore um, uh, not have to continue to um, to. Uh, uh, try to do driverless, which uh, um, uh, maybe the, I think they've they've become frustrated. They haven't moved. They're sitting on on um, on um, uh, on the opportunity to exercise orders for um, at least um, uh, uh, what is it, uh, sixty-two thousand uh, more vehicles uh, from from um, uh, Fiat Chrysler. 
Uh, I don't know to what extent they've executed their their uh, opportunity to ha- to purchase twenty thousand Jaguars. They they they've gone some. They haven't made announcements about uh, moving those forward. They haven't made any announcements about uh, even uh, trying uh, mobility as a service uh, anywhere else. Um, uh, besides uh, Chandler, Phoenix, and, and maybe a little bit in in Mount View, uh, but um, not really. Uh, so it seems as if, um, uh, as I read this, uh, this is a um, this is basically um, the beginning of throwing in the towel and saying, "Hey, no, well, um, let's take what we have and let's." Uh, Let's uh, just begin to um, uh, generate revenue out of this. Um, let the other um, uh, bigger or or, uh, or more difficult opportunity of driverless, and we can talk about it, but that's really not what we're doing. Well, I guess to some extent, it's a, it's a bit of conjecture here. Um, and obviously, we'd love to have Waymo come on with us and discuss what what they're doing and and what the roadmap looks like but. they're 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 not going to do that <laughs> i mean you know they're uh, it'd be great if they they would take us and use us as as a way to to uh, set the world straight we we would love it but you know they can put on their own on their own press releases and and sure. so on and people are just waiting to to listen to them and and they hear them hear them do that uh so they they don't need us so we've known that We've known that forever, but but as I read this, uh, and and I of course I could be full of hot air or, or cold air or whatever I'm, I'm <laughs> using. Um, uh, I think this is a very very depressing announcement with respect to uh, any thoughts of of um, of achieving a driverless uh, mobility or mobility as a service or autonomous taxis or providing. Uh, you know, um, affordable <laughs> mobility uh, to uh, to the mobility disadvantage. This is this is a real setback because the the leader in that um, I think is getting um, is getting cold feet, and um, and I don't know who's putting on the pressure. They just realize that my goodness, um, <clears throat> if I do self driving. Then basically, uh, I can sell my technology to a bunch of folks who who will then put that on the vehicles, and they'll they'll appear in the showroom, and the automobile industry will continue its hundred-year-old business uh, model of selling uh, vehicles to us as individuals, and we'll love it. We'll, we'll, you know, I want to purchase one with the Waymo system. My goodness, I'll do that instead of purchasing a Tesla. Uh, because the um, the uh, all of the um, driver assist features on that will be will be will be better, and I, I know they'll perform better, and it will keep me safer, and and all those things, and I'll I'll run right down to the, the to the dealership and and buy one of those, uh, but that does not deliver mobility as a service. Uh, that just uh, you know delivers a, a better toy to all of us who've been able to afford these these expensive toys and, um, and um, uh, great, but, uh, but it's really unfortunate. Well, we will see where it leads and what happens in the, in the coming weeks. Again, uh, Waymo is saying that uh, 
they and the other companies. And we didn't mention Mitsubishi in there. It's Renault, Nissan, and Mitsubishi. Yeah, those, those three companies have been have been you know sort Tied of together. Uh, had their own relationships together. I don't right. think those are individual. Um, you know, relationships. That's one relationship with with a cooperative group. Uh, the other statement in there is that they're looking to do this, to do driverless in Europe. I, I don't know that, that it's easier to do in Europe than in the United States. Uh, certainly, um, uh, it, it, the easiest place to do it in the world probably is, is, is uh, Arizona. And um, and there are lots of other states um, like Florida recently announced that, that would welcome these things, uh, but apparently um, um, uh, Waymo thinks that maybe they should be doing it in Europe. To look at global expansion of this when you you're barely even started in one small community, Chandler, Arizona, and now think, oh my goodness, uh, you know we're we're going to be world we're going to do it worldwide is like, I don't know. Uh, okay. I guess I don't have the same visions as, as Silicon Valley. And then, and then to throw in there, China, they, they, they even indicate that they could do it in China. Since when was, was Google welcomed in China? I mean, really uh, Waymo is going to go in China and do it and, and, and think that, th- that they're going to, to somehow own that market. Oh my goodness. I don't know. Uh, but uh, that's why I don't put any any substance in their comment. But again, maybe I'm just I don't know who am I? I you know, I'm just <laughs> an academic in some backwater, whatever. Exactly right, Princeton University. Now, <laughs> our friends at Local Motors, Local Motors had some uh, good news. Uh, their Ali autonomous vehicles are going to be tested at Joint Base Meyer-Henderson Hall. Uh, another another great opportunity for them to test their vehicles, this time on military bases. Yes, and I, I had the pleasure to be at their ribbon cutting um, uh, on Wednesday. And it uh, yes, it, it, what's nice about it is that it seems as if everybody up and down the line there at, at uh, Fort Myer is, uh, is, is uh, supporting this. And and it's a great place for them to do um, uh, an initial uh, demonstration of these vehicles, uh, which is in, a, in sort of a, a, a controlled environment where people behave and, and, and uh, the, the, the commanders really set the tone and, and everybody's enthusiastic and supportive. I, I thought it was a wonderful environment. Um, yes, uh, they're going to have... Um, um, attendance on board. Uh, but again, um, uh, having the opportunity to do it, to do it in mixed traffic uh, with on, on what are really uh, community roads um, uh, in an environment that is uh, a little bit more controlled than doing it in Princeton or doing it in Trenton or West Windsor um, is great. And, and, Let's hope they're very successful um, in their initial three months and then extend the, their their operation to then serve the Pentagon where they will then go off base or between bases uh, to, to be able to provide that service and then extend it to the, the uh, metro stop and so on. And, and one can see uh, 
an opportunity to um, uh, to uh, move all of this forward. So um, uh, the news is good on the um, on the local motors Ollie side, um, uh, and it seems as if they are committed um, to to do this. But again, uh, their scope and scale. Um, is quite different than than that of Waymo, and, and of course their pockets aren't as deep, and it's um, but we still have uh, the Waymos of uh, of this world to at least try to move this forward. And uh, the Ali vehicles are are, are really tiny mini buses kind and very nicely designed, three D printed in fact. So. Right, and you know, and there's a lot of interesting elements of it, and they have their phase two and their phase three vehicles, and so on. They have an evolution plan, and and it looks like they have a a, a customer, a potential customer, uh, because if, if one looks at military bases, these are you know small communities. Uh, uh, I tried to get a, a, a test site set up at, at, um, at Fort Monmouth here in New Jersey, which was a, uh, which was a decommissioned uh, 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 army base. You know, it's a, t- it's a two square mile city, you know, streets, buildings, and so on. It's ideal. Uh, and it's, it's, um, it has enough control and people, again, behave there. Um, and, and so, um, it's, it's a good place to start, uh, to get systems and continue to improve them so that they then can go a little farther out into the real world. Moving on, there's some new studies that, uh, from IIHS and HLDI that highlight driver confusion about automated systems. Uh, it starts out saying vehicles are getting increasingly sophisticated with more and more of them able to stay in a lane and maintain a set speed and following distance with minimal driver input. But this kind of automation has limitations that can be tricky for drivers to grasp, really, to to understand. Kind of the the kind of thing I was talking about before, people thinking that the vehicles have more capabilities than perhaps they really do. Right. And and I think uh, we all realize that. And certainly um, uh, IIHS, HLDI have been doing tests and they have they have, uh, as was presented at, at the at the summit. I mean, they have some chilling examples of, uh, of the limitations of the existing systems. And um, and so it is very important uh, that that the limitations um, uh, be well understood uh, by the uh, by the public that decides to, to purchase these things. So um, out of that process, um, that's really important to, for that to be done. And um, and I agree. Um, uh, they 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 did a uh, survey of, of two thousand drivers and and ask them you know questions as to whether they understood what these systems would do the problem is is that the language that everybody's doing and so on uh, with these systems it's inconsistent and then they bring in this these levels of the SAE that completely confuse people and and you know um the, when somebody buys one of these vehicles uh um, they haven't, you know, gone and, and, and studied this and, and gotten PhDs in it and so on. Uh, I mean, it's, it's way, way 
way too confusing uh, the the terminology that's used. Uh, so so we need uh, we need to figure out an educational process uh, so that in fact um, uh, the the owners can understand the limitations. Um, and so um, uh, that that's true. But I also think that 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 every time people get in cars, um, unless they're not enraged, they realize that my goodness, they're taking their lives into their own hands. And these vehicles, you've got to be careful. You you must drive defensively, and you just can't be a jerk out there. And finally, Alan, in the category in the newsletter called "Simply Clickbait," the headline from the Times of Israel: "Flying cars." Sound bubbles greet execs at Tel Aviv Smart Mobility Confab. Um, they had uh, at the big convention center in Tel Aviv a lot of visitors, a lot of automotive industry there, and they're talking about flying cars. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Okay. I mean, look, um, uh, if 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 there's thought that maybe Waymo's thrown in the in the tall and driverless vehicles. I mean, flying cars, um, you know, maybe two or three of them for the, you know, super rich or whatever. And, you know, for us, the, the rest of us to maybe dream about and watch the Jetsons and so on. Come on. I mean, the, um, all this stuff gets awfully tiring after a while. And, and uh, um, it's Sunday supplement to uh, clickbait. I, I don't know. And on that note, <laughs> that'll, that'll do it for this edition. You can find us at uh, smartdrivingcar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you check out my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening. And have a great weekend, everybody. Although we've had the summer solstice, and guess what? Oh, it's downhill to winter from here. So depressing. <laughs> You're on a roll tonight. Oh, I'm depressed. <laughs>